0: Hey guys, Bear Grills here, just to say, super excited for Charles Thorpe's podcast coming soon. You guys are going to love this. What a great guy he is and so many great stories. So enjoy these and remember, above all, never give up. Now I personally believe that there's nothing better than a great adventure, whether it's to another country or into the backyard. It can have an amazing ability to change not just the way that we see the world, but also the way that we see ourselves that is exactly what you're going to hear about from our incredible guests on great adventures i'm going to be hanging out with actors athletes thought leaders and of course explorers some old friends and some new to discuss how being adventurous benefited their lives my name is charles thorpe for over a decade i've been chasing down epic stories professionally for magazines and television shows now i'm bringing those conversations here Vikas Khanna's journey started back home in India and has taken him here to New York City where he ran the kitchen of the Michelin-starred Janun restaurant. Now, as he prepares to open his new space in Dubai, he travels the world to expand his mind and cook for luminaries like the Dalai Lama. He has some incredible stories to share. I can't wait to have him back on the show, but for now, here's part one. I should start and say Vikas. Thank you so much for being here. I'd love to hear the first big trip that you can remember as a young man.
1: I think I was um, in Hi Charles. Hello. <laughs> we should start. <stop. laughs> that's good. what's happening. Everything has to be organic and exactly. kind of unofficial, which is real. Yes. I think I was 16 when I was. I started my business very early. So back of my house in my, in my city of Amritsar, that's North India. And I used to do small caterings for small events. And like just women would come in the afternoon. And uh, my my uncle, he used to live in Ireland. He was settled there. So he came and he saw me, and he saw me cook. And he says, oh, my God, this guy's so passionate. And my father just dismissed the idea. He says, what do you mean know, passionate? What does that even mean? <laughs> he said, <saying, laughs> you know, in the Western world, he will be really looked up to because a child with such kind of focus and who's developing his skill, you know, they nurture it. And my father is like, Oh, he hardly makes any money. He just keeps giving food for free. I've never <laughs> seen him ever make a money. <laughs> but I was happy doing those small event things after school. Just waiting and someone will come and book an event or do a small party. And I just that it was so gratifying. So gratifying. Because my father used to have a library where he would rent out the VHS. You know, the magnetic tips. Yeah and he would rent it out, and I was a delivery boy. So running in bas- on my bicycle in the summer and ch- choosing opting it than cooking, I said, oh, cooking, fantastic. <laughs> and <you know. laughs> but my uncle took me to Delhi, and that was the first time I saw a big hotel. That was ITC's, more, it, it belongs to a franchise with more, uh, Sheraton's, so it is one of the Delhi's biggest hotel, and he saw me to the midnight buffet. I fell on my knees, and I kept saying that in my native language, I've never seen food so beautiful. How can food be so beautiful? Oh,
0: wow. That's also beautiful how full circle it's gone right now. Yeah. You're, you're starting a restaurant in Dubai that's opening very soon. And how does it feel to have that moment and seeing that thing come back around? Well, you're going to be that person that's inspiring that next generation. You're the one that's creating that food. So it's, uh, Charles, this is very interesting what am i doing with the
1: menu in Dubai. So my first discussions with the hotel and, you know, where the restaurant is going to be. And the restaurant is called Kinara, which means a bank or a shore. And I think somehow you feel comfort with the word, the word which is a shore, which you know that everyone is looking for in some way. My first dish, which I just shared a few days ago, I think yesterday, was sweet potato chaat. Chaat is a street food, which is like, you know, sweet, tangy, sour, bitter, everything comes together. And it's sweet potatoes which is smoked because these guys were the street vendors. They generally take the wood from the mango trees or all the trees which are growing there and they put that and they burn it. So you have the sweet potato which has this smoked infusion. And just now I was just, since yeah, all night yesterday, I was understanding this smell of different smokes. But it's interesting that you know how you can take that simple idea and you can apply that to a big
0: restaurant Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think it's also, when you talk about that street food, I'm really fascinated by people's points of inspiration. Did you remember that dish from your earlier days? Is that something that you found more recently? It's from my
1: earlier days because, you know, um, I'm sure anyone who has come from the similar background would say that, you know, standing on that street cart and waiting for that little dish to be prepared, you inhale that kind of the... Charcoaly flavor, the smokiness which is coming from those roasted spices and the squeeze of that lime and those are the winter limes so you know, you know, <laughs> and it's that chili powder and sometimes they will also have this syrup which is being, because you know, it's, it's warm in the afternoons during winters, but this, this is a tamarind which is sitting there and just almost getting fermented like a vinaigrette And, you know, now I know all these terminologies. At that time, I was like... It was a mystery. It was a mystery because, you know, you did not have that kind of exposure. When I look back, sometimes when I go back home and, like, everybody keeps asking, what do you actually do? I said, I don't know.
0: (laughs) You experience, but I think it is is that. You're sort of open to that experience. You're you're trying to (coughs) find the the palate in which to recreate this dish, right? Because I, I completely agree with you. It's not just the food. It's not just the ingredients. also the process. You're yeah. a part of the process. You're smelling, like you said, those char notes. And you're the one that's sort of identifying that and, and bringing that into the dish as well. So that person that's sampling the dish is also a part of the process. They feel like they're there and part of the process. Somehow
1: that, ex- that almost like a religious experience when that smell played such a significant note, which is which was very necessary, and you know, try to bring that to dining experience now. It's almost like you're making people feel that you know I'm taking you back for that one moment, that one moment I call the Nirvana moment, mm. when you actually felt something much bigger or deeper, or it made you feel so small on the equation of timelines of life, that you're so such a speck on this. And look, look what I'm giving you as an experience. You're inhaling something which has traditions, history, memories, and some craft a
0: different level of craft. Maybe you could tell me about the first time you left India and how that felt, the understanding of an international uh, sense of the world. When I came to New York City, everything else seemed to be almost that I've forgotten
1: everything else, what I'd never learned before. I remember taking the train from Queens, from 74th Street, Jackson Heights, and I came up on 34th and 8th Avenue at the New Yorker Hotel. And then I saw the post office on 32nd Street. And I've, I don't know if I can ever undo that memory. It's like the, the most powerful thing I've ever seen, the sidewalks and the people, and you have to wait to cross the street, and <laughs> <laughs> pushing and hustling and the noise, what we talked earlier. Yeah. It's, it gets, a po- it just, you have to be ready. Like, you know, the Rumi used to say that, Rumi, the big Iranian poet. Of course. And he said that, you know, you need to open the window for the light to enter. And somehow New York City shatters all the walls and the windows and the ceiling and just enters inside you in a very different way. And it makes you fail so many times till, it, till you begin to value the little moment of success you get here.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. I feel so many times walking down the street in New York City. What did it feel like to bring your Indian culture here to New York City? What did you look to accomplish with your restaurant? Did you feel like... People were open to Indian cuisine when you first started here.
1: So I had a lot of lot of failed stories before getting to this point, but I still remember. I used to have a small restaurant. You know, after nine eleven, we were getting grants for development of the downtown, and you know, there was a small restaurant which I used to have. It was called the A Spice Route, small on Fulton Street, one forty one Fulton Street, <laughs> and. One lady walks in and she's trying to decide should she take her kids inside. So she must be from Midwest or something. And she says she so I just so there was no no one in the restaurant. It was just and we never were busy besides the lunch hour, especially in downtown. And she says, You know, I have a question for you, I said yes. think she's, she's saying, This is rich cuisine? I said Indian food. She's saying, Is it gonna be safe for my kids? I'm like, ma'am, you know, okay. I'm like, you know what, let's do one thing. I'll do small samples for you. And I had to be very calm. You know, you're dealing with almost like you're you're one of the first first Indian chefs people are going to be, like, you know, seeing or talking to. So you want to give them that moment because now it's not just me, my last name, my first name, my cities. You're representing a nation and a cultural heritage of the country. So I said, ma'am, why don't you come inside and I'll make you and your kids taste something. You don't have to pay for it. And she's like, okay, you know. She came inside, I remember. So this is my, more than the kids were learning, I was learning too that I'm in a country which has not seen much of this cuisine. I'm talking about 2004 and five and six. And, you know, those years are like still building years and understanding that, you know, you're you're entering a market which is not even aware of anything about the country. Right. People say, oh, I know India, I know Gandhi. I'm like, (laughs) that's... That's, that's fantastic. I'm glad you know Gandhi. We love Gandhi. <laughs> Absolutely. What's <laughs> so, not to like? And then, this is amazing that, you know, our references were so small. And then came to a point when you became stereotype, stereotypical cuisine that, you know, everybody knows chicken. Tikka masala, paneer, dal makhani, chicken, tikka tandoori, chicken, naan, roti, onion, and, kulcha, and garlic naan. And,
0: <laughs> I feel the, like you said that list before. I feel like you said that No, <laughs> no. It's, like,
1: it's so embedded in most of yeah. the little restaurants I used to do. Of course. It's a long process, but, you know, you can't be impatient Mm -hmm. and you can't be restless. Yeah. And you also have to have empathy about the people you're serving that this might be the first time they're going to eat the combination of flavors like this.
0: Yeah. Now, we talked about inspiration from, from your home. Where were the places that you traveled that really expanded you as a person? You know, what were some of the trips that you remember either making a note of where they were culinarily wise or, uh, you know, food wise and how they were culturally?
1: Um, I would always say Bhutan and Tibet had such an impression on my mind. I used to have a restaurant in Midtown, it was called Purnima. And the day it closed, I got the great opportunity to meet His Holiness of the Dalai Lama. And that was something. That was very important moment of my life. And I told him, I said, "It's. Not, I'm not in the best space of life. You know, on Twenty Third Street, right here, there was used to be an inn hotel. You remember on this off Sixth Avenue, mm-hmm. the inn. I remember. And you know, I used to rent that kitchen, and I used to do cooking classes there. And suddenly, no one's Every people stopped coming. It was so hard to promote those things, and to charge forty dollars that you cook for them and you teach them. How. So everything was downhill and I had a catering company and people owed me way too much money and eventually I had to close that too. So within a matter of few days, the dominoes effect, everything closed. So I meet His Holiness and He says that, you know, I told Him that I'm going through a little phase. He's saying, oh no, 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 this is good. I said, why? <laughs> he says, and you know, He's a very childlike energy. Yes. And He says, you're free now. So you're not. In, he was trying to tell me you're not being shackled anymore. Wow! You're not a you're not a pre- slave anymore to of your work. Go and expand your mind. Oh my wow. God! I said, what the right thing to tell a person who's just lost everything that you're free? That is when you start building the entire thing again. Mm. And it was just amazing that I went to Tibet, Nepal, Bhutan, Burma, Ladakh, Pakistan. So I was looking at all these. Countries as a cultural pilgrimage, and cuisine, and and wrote so much, and just the return to the rivers was born on the streets Your of book, Nepal, yeah. and I was so broke that I had to call my mom and tell her, tell my mom, mom, can you please book me a ticket from <laughs> JFK to Tibet, and then to to Bhutan, and she's saying where is the, I said she's saying where is that, I said it's in, um, it's near India, she's saying come to India. <laughs> You know, the typical mom. Like she, she knew there was such a. Might come by, yeah. yeah. She's such a downfall right now. My son is going through, so let me get him home and I'll heal him. But I said that experience in Bhutan was. I've never experienced anything in my life close to that.
0: Really, what parts of it really spoke to you?
1: You know, in Bhutan, the it's the. Ha- I've never felt so happy in my life. I've never been so happy. You can see, just it makes you feel so mortal that all these experiences you're having with the monasteries and sitting there and and everything is on the street you know you can be going here and plucking apples from a tree and sitting there and eating it and just watching this magnificent rivers and prayer flags and the monasteries I have never experienced a country like that in my life before and, you know, I had to also earn money because, you know, I had to survive. I'm totally broke at that. <laughs> so I used to teach English to those kids. God bless those kids who learned English from
0: me. Oh, wow. So I'm
1: like, hey, guys, you have no future. You're going to be learning English from me.
0: <laughs> Can you set the table a little bit for us when it comes to being the Dalai Lama? What is it like for the first time? You know, where was it? It was at the Beacon Theater on 75th Street in
1: Broadway. So my friend Tashi, she, I used to have a cafe at the Rubin Museum. So I met Tashi, she was working at the museum, and she was also representative of Tibetan culture. So she called me and she says, Chef, would you like to meet His Holiness? I said, Tashi, I'm just going to lock the restaurant right now. We just lost the lease, everything is gone, and I'm no mood. He's saying, no, you must come and see him. He's talking about new beginnings, reincarnation of life. Wow. I'm like, wow. So So somehow I said, let's follow the roomie and says the heart, you need to have the window open for the light to enter. So let's not close everything. So I had nothing to do, but you know, it's very difficult for me to explain to people that when you're running a restaurant, you work almost 16 to 18 hours. And when you are the main leader of the ship, you may be more hours than that. But the moment the restaurant closes, you are done. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like waking up in the morning because there's no anxiety (laughs) pushing you out of the bed. Oh my god the ship is, the the fish is not delivered today the lamb chops the guy didn't get delivered the proper meat you wanted and the vegetable order has been delayed you haven't paid the dairy guy and
0: no milk and cream in the <laughs> restaurant today <laughs> you know the typical, wow. typical. It makes me not want to open a restaurant no
1: <laughs> that's the beauty of those challenges and yeah. the, the staff just called in and they're not coming because somebody has an emergency i'm like oh my god we're about to open in half an hour we have 100 reservations for lunch oh chef we can't help it i'm like those anxieties after and I was so, I, I, was, I was, I didn't want to leave the bed that morning. And I still had a lot of money to, I uh, owed to people, kind of. And, but I didn't feel like leaving the bed and that happens. But I saw a missed call from Tashi. I said, you know, what the hell, let me go. I go to meet him at the Beacon Theater and we all standing in the line. The thousands of people who you know, are there to listen to him. So I'm one of the just thousands of them and standing there and suddenly he comes and touches my phone and he walks away. He's just walking in front of me and I remember there was an American girl behind me and she's like, she got so (laughs) upset with me that his holiness... so Paid some
0: attention. And she
1: she said, oh, that must be the Bollywood effect the way you look like. He must be watching Bollywood movies. Like, why are you getting upset with me? Wow. So I go and hear him and it was something very surreal. He spoke about that how sometimes you got to break that... Beautiful art you've created the mandala. Mm. Otherwise, how will you give space to the new one? And very much like what Steve just spoke, at one of the speeches that you know you've got to make the way for the new one. It could be not just us making the way, but you need to make a way in our minds for the new one. And that is when something I lost and figured out. I figured out one thing, Charles, so clearly that there is nothing as loss on this planet except for death of a parent. Mm-hmm everything else could be recovered. A lot of things you can reverse with financially. Of course, health has to stay stable, but the loss of a parent is one thing that it, it, nothing else in the world is a real loss like that. But I'd experienced at that time,
0: I'm like, what was I whining about? Mm -hmm. No, that's great perspective. And you've you've got to interact with the Dalai Lama since then, correct? Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about those experiences? So I, I flew into Delhi to cook for his 80th birthday.
1: So when I had to cook for him in the morning, so I had to take the cake with me and I have to do some dishes from his hometown, which he only encouraged me to travel to. Amdo is the place where he was born and raised. And oh my God. I had to make these pancakes out of buckwheat. And I made 80 pancakes. They were like paper thin. And I made an entire cake out of it for him. And he said that his mother used to cook like that. And that just was like... Wow. And then I did an entire book on that experience, which was called Timeless Legacy, in which I talked about... Um, I talked about, on my social media, I asked people that if you have any questions for his holiness, the Lai Lama, please send me and I'll I'll try to ask him. So it was 80 questions on 80th birthday. And one most interesting question is, do you have a driver's license? (laughs) Wow. Little, little I never girl, thought of that. Little girl asked, Does he like Madonna? I'm like I asked him, he's saying what's who's Madonna? I'm like, Madonna. I hope Madonna never hears this, but he's <laughs> saying, I don't know who's Madonna. I said, She's a big pop star and you know, people follow her. You think in my time people used to follow Llamas and in
0: <laughs> I said, Yeah, it's a little like, different the world is different now. Wow. Did he have a license? So
1: he's saying he knows how to ride a bicycle. He said that. <laughs> never I rode a bike here too. Now I
0: feel a little bit uh, yeah, I, know. I feel he... like I'm doing
1: the right thing. And one day, I, somebody asked him, do you ever wear jeans? Do you ever ride the American jeans? So, you know, because of your social media was based here and of a lot course. of people had American questions and inclination towards American culture. So I asked him, and Charles, when I asked him that question, have you ever worn pants or jeans? And the question I was reading just exactly that they were, which I shortlisted, He said, have you ever worn American jeans? That was a question. Or pants? He's saying, yeah, one day. The saddest day of my life. I said, why? He's saying, the day I left Tibet. So they had to disguise me so I couldn't wear the monk's clothes. Otherwise, Mm. they could have caught me. Oh, wow. So I wore pants.
0: Wow. Oh, that was... You would never imagine that answer. I never imagined that, you
1: know, that something, something... And it it started from, and he says, oh, I said, I'm so sorry to ask that. You think, why? You're sorry. That is how you learn about new experiences when you're authentic. You ask something authentically and I answered you just the way it is.
0: I'd like to welcome a new partner to this endeavor, hiatus tequila. Hiatus means to pause or break a sequence, which I believe is a great message. I'd always been a bourbon or whiskey guy until recently I started dabbling with tequila, especially in the summer. I met the founder of Hiatus, who's a fascinating guy and has done his due diligence in Mexico. Check them out on Instagram at Hiatus Tequila. I kinda wanna go back to your new restaurant. People who are going to visit Dubai and and have that experience, What what would they get from it?
1: It's a very unique restaurant. It's abs- It's the kitchen is open from three sides, so we have no way to hide. <laughs> so, but we are also doing something which is very interesting. I'll start sharing the dishes. It took us almost a year to make the menu, but every dish is inspired by one dish, for, which is extreme humble beginning. But the way we are presenting that dish, it's really something interesting. Of working with so many chefs in U.S. and Europe and having that kind of international sensibility to that food but not to actually discontinue that soul and the memory of the dish Mm -hmm. I'm presenting stuff which is like even you know in the winter the restaurant will open in the fall and that that whole thing but yeah of course in the way the seasons are
0: not based like that but <laughs> they make their own seasons they in make Dubai.
1: The, yeah they will make let's get
0: the rain today we're in the mood of the rain that's so incredible <coughs> yeah it's it's how they're know, able to do that they create the rain so have much you of, uh have you witnessed that i witnessed that last yeah. time and i'm like wow this is amazing that to explain but, to people what that what we're talking about
1: right now. So there's a, there's a rain which you can create. It's it's a cloud current. I don't know what it is called scientifically.
0: Yeah, they sort of recreate the process of, of making <laughs> rain make in rain. the atmosphere.
1: So we have a we are going to make our rain today. So today we it's not like movie where you need the showers, yeah. but it's like a real rain, and um, and it's also interesting that how much they are trying to work a desert and to have that kind of supply of the food and everything. I swear to God, I, I, was, I was there two days ago, and I had the best orange of my life. <laughs> really? I don't know where it came from, but it was almost like almost like a great religious experience. Really? It, the scent of it, and I don't know, I, I kept asking the, the guy who was delivering in the hotel, I said, can you please tell me the origin of this? He said, yeah, oh, it must be somewhere from Europe. But to have that kind of things being shipped even the flowers, even the, every detail of the food which is gonna be running in the kitchen. It's so amazing the the shift and the kind of the this the whole quality concept what they have there. It's really amazing.
0: Yeah. Are they where are they as far as agriculture in, in Dubai? Are they? I know, see the greenhouses. The, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm seeing greenhouses now
1: because I, yeah, which is amazing because all the micros are microgreens, everything is coming. Some vegetables too I saw. Which were uh, grown in Dubai, <coughs> which is amazing. Yeah, you know? that's,
0: that's really do? incredible.
1: Some people say, oh, this is against the nature in a way. I'm like, you know, but this is also talking about the progress that, you know, you can have accessibility to fresh produce throughout
0: the world. What's another cuisine that you're inspired by and really enjoy? Tibet. Tibet is Tibetan <laughs> amazing. I'm not talking about the
1: Chinese inspired Tibetan cuisine, I'm talking about the real Tibetan cuisine. If you have a Tibetan friends, please tell them that you're going to come to the house and they need to cook for you. Though there's a huge overlap between Nepalese cuisine and Indian cuisine. Amazing, Mm. amazing intricacies, and Bhutan, of course, I've mentioned every time I see it. Look at me and
0: like yeah.
1: But these are the very simplistic cuisines. I remember once I was hosting uh, President Barack Obama at the Rubin Museum. And they asked me, What are you going to cook? I said, What you exactly the same question was asked to me, Charles, is that what inspires you around Indian cuisine? I said, India is a mother nation, it, it has such an influence in all the neighboring countries. It's like the mother to most of these countries around India, too. And a lot of people, the spice roots, everything was started so much from India. And Indian cuisine has been very instrumental in adding flavors to the world global kitchens. True. So I said, Let's do the entire menu of all these countries which don't get highlighted because they are like the moons and let them shine too we did the first dish which present tasted was oh my god it's it's called emadashi it's just chilies and cheese it's like it I mean, people kept asking most of the american chefs so is it a fondue with is it a fondue with cheese with with chilies i'm like No, it's something different because they use yak cheese. So we had to find similarities because I thought yak cheese is going to be too strong for Americans. Because the furthest we go in our daily lives is blue cheese. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Most of the
0: people will not have an experience of having cheese made out of yak milk there would be something on uh, like an extreme show in America, yeah. in, try this yak cheese. We did it. I did a taste, food tasting of cheese and uh, in my kitchens and
1: everybody just freaked out when I started cooking it. they oh, something is rotten here. I said, I, said <laughs> but I remember how most of the chefs who are from Europe and America, they're like, oh, chef, this cheese is spoiled. I said, no, this is, how, <laughs> this is not spoiled. This is a strong cheese because yak can survive high altitudes. And the milk is very dense and fat, and the cheese is so amazingly delicious. But we did those things, and I thought it was interesting because I served the president exactly the way the dish is supposed to be cooked in In Bhutan. Of course, I reduced the spice level because they used chilies like vegetables. right. So chili is not a condiment to flavor the vegetable. Chilies right. are used as a vegetable. Wow. So I think those experiences are necessary, and they cannot happen on digital platforms. Yes. You need to go and personally visit and feel and travel, and you have more. It gets engraved in your heart, yeah, more and than your mind.
0: And there's such sort of a trend and um, an awareness now about Bhutan. Like I feel, a good friend of mine has a, a Bhutanese a supplement brand called Hana One, which oh is a part God. of this of uh, this uh, which is part of this show actually. What's his name? Joel Einhorn.
1: Oh, oh, my God. He was living there. Yes. Oh, my God. So, he was also making cheese.
0: Was he now? Because
1: when I went to the cheese factory, they were telling me somebody's here and they're doing... He's also doing something with the herbs there and berries.
0: Yes. With the goji berries Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, yes. They have a couple of supplements. Yeah. And then... Uh, he's American. With and everything. He's American. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I know because when I went to the market, not the factory which makes cheese, and he says, ah, someone else is from America. He's here and he's doing his research. It's interesting. I didn't know. It's such a small and world. And then I just lost him. Like I don't know what what brand was it. They mentioned to me, and they showed me pictures of him learning how to make cheese or something. <laughs> and then he was in the vegetable market, and a lot of people do barter
0: system in vegetable markets. Yeah,
1: you give them something, they give back to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, this guy Joel. He's great. He's uh, he's a good friend, and he's a good friend of the show and everything like that. I have to connect you guys. Oh
1: my God, yes! But they're
0: doing a lot with Ayurvedic and, Ayurvedic and doing medicine herbs and yeah, and yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's, I I love that the cuisine element is in there too. You guys have to do some dishes together or something like that. We make it holistic there's a couple other questions i want to ask and and one is you mentioned earlier the river ganges for people who want to maybe visit what would you say to them would you encourage people to go there where where would they stay
1: um i just say that uh, i have a lot of moments of reincarnation in my life when i was totally done and finished and even to myself i was like this is the end for me and constantly something kept Giving birth to me again and again, I was born constantly, again and again. In one place, which gave me the birth, which I felt was so necessary at that moment, was River Ganges. But in India, you know, rivers, because in the entire scheme of the universe, rivers are the mothers, because the life evolved from the rivers. On their banks, were the biggest cities made, and because of harvest and uh, transportations, and people were traveling and. But there's nothing I've never had an experience of, anything I've seen something similar to. I always say that if you have seen the most beautiful thing in your life, in terms of natural beauty, the moment you're going to see the sunrise on River Ganges, your heart will stop. There's nothing I've seen which is more profound than watching the sun rise on the Ganges. And the the entire river is, is almost like a crescent shape so it's like a C shape so when the sun rises right in the middle the entire river changes the color it's like poetry i just think that it just gave birth to the poet inside you and said oh my god there's so much of so much of beauty which we don't see normally yeah. in life and how how grateful and humble this is for me it's humbling experience and but i just people who want to travel just travel and I just feel that it's going to create an artist out of you I said when I went to Varanasi after my father passed away I went as a lost I was going through terrible <laughs> moment after my father and I, this river was like just lying down on in a boat on the bank I felt my mother was rocking a small cradle and putting me to sleep so that I'm not exhausted when the sun rises next morning and I'm I'm appreciative of what i have right now there are a lot of great hotels and one of my favorite hotel where we stayed was um galeria koti it's a heritage property it's right on the banks of varanasi and it's little little away from the main city and that whole uh, crowds but they have boats and i'll make my mom stay there and every mom every morning my mom used to wake up and says how can a river be so beautiful to constantly see you know, there are a lot of campaigns to clean up the river and you know, because it's there's so many beliefs attached to it of billions of like you know, people and of course but it's going through a certain life of its own and it's beautiful to see that river constantly flowing
0: and coming with the message to you of not giving up. That's beautiful. Um, I have two last questions for you. And the first one is if I gave you a plane to get to anywhere right now, where would you fly and what is the dish that you would have? Oh
1: my God. I'll go back to my hometown, Amritsar, and I'll go to the community kitchen of the Golden Temple. And yesterday somebody sent me a picture that they were making rice pudding. <laughs> It's funny because people feel so related that they keep, whenever they visit my hometown, they keep sending me pictures. They're absolute strangers. They keep or they keep sharing it on social media. Chef C, you mentioned about, but I saw that rice pudding being cooked, and I was like, oh. because you know they redid the entire kitchens because they feed about hundred thousand people for free every day. That's beautiful. And it's really like when community comes together, everybody donates and everybody gives shares the time. So I'll fly back to my hometown right now.
0: that's a a good answer right there and the last one is when I say your favorite sunset where's a place that sticks out in your mind Um, the Hudson Hudson
1: Hudson River New York City yeah Hudson River New York especially when you when you go to work out in Chelsea Piers and then you walk and that that oh my god (laughs) especially the summer sun there's something about that the way and you really want to sit there and in stillness I think the beauty is that we run around way too much and you know we are eclipsed by these huge towers of buildings throughout the city with the skyscrapers but when you're on the Hudson you're overlooking New Jersey but at that same time there's certain stillness in the water and you see those evening cruises passing by and so you have a humming sound of this kind of cruise which has loud music and people are dancing (laughs) and they suddenly disappear and then you have this static moment of this this palette of millions of shades of oranges and pinks and reds and yellows and and they all merge and suddenly they all disappear. but there's the moment of witnessing it in stillness and of course you see everybody's taking pictures like crazy because you <laughs> <laughs> don't see that so often. And then you see the beauty when you turn towards the other side and and then you have the straight view of Empire State. And I always tell people that you know if you really want to understand New York, you've got to look at Hudson and the sunset. And then you just turn 180 degrees, and you look at the Empire State, and then the shades they put on the on that building. Every significance of those shades of every evening are
0: so important. I think I'm going to do that tonight. Actually, me <laughs> I am talking go. to you. Like, I'll see I'll you there to, on the yeah. Hudson River. Thanks so much for being here, Vikas. Thank you, Charles. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening, guys. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe and leave a quick review on iTunes suggested to a friend who could use a little travel inspiration if you have a travel question or suggestion on someone i should chat with just hit me up on my social channels at Charles Thorpe and at adventure podcast new episodes will be dropping every friday so keep checking in for the next until then safe travels Stations were recorded at Smile Radio, located in Smile2Go at the Freehand Hotel.